some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. In-depth coverage of the Nashville Predators in a 104.5 The Zone digital exclusive. This is the Smashcast with Will Bowling and Mark Howard. It is episode number two. It is the Smashcast on 104.5 The Zone here on our podcast network. Welcome back in as we talk all things Nashville Predators. A big week for the Predators on the road. Four-game road trip for them before coming back home next Thursday, we'll hit on all the upcoming games and all the big storylines going on in the world of the National Hockey League this past week. Alongside Mark Howard from the Wake Up Zone, my name is Will Bowling. Glad you're with us. Remind you again, you can subscribe to this show, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, uh, or anywhere you get your podcast here uh, on the Zone Podcast Network. Uh, so, Mark, one of the, the many long road trips for the Nashville Predators, I feel like with as many big events at Bridgestone Arena, as many concerts as there are. The Predators have to set the record for most four or five game road trips in the NHL. They do, but, uh, you know, this this is always a road trip that the coaches look forward to because this is sort of the bonding road trip. And even though most of these guys have played with each other, it, it's really – it allows the team to be get to be together for a number of days. Uh, they've got two, two down days, uh, you know, in Denver – you know, to get used to the altitude, uh, that'll, that'll be good. But also just, you know, team-building stuff that I'm sure Peter Laviolette and his staff uh, have in store for them. So before we get too much into this road trip, of course, the Predators uh, in Colorado tonight. Uh, we won't touch a, a whole lot on that one since it, it is tonight so that this podcast would kind of be out of date pretty quickly if all we previewed was uh, the Avalanche game. But uh, let's go back to the homestand before it. Uh, starting with the game against the Rangers, Predators don't have their best game. They come up empty on three power plays in the third period uh, and fall to a New York Rangers team that didn't even have Henrik Lundqvist in net. So, so uh, never a great thing um, uh, when you lose to them and he's not even uh, starting. Uh, but the Predators were able to bounce back well against the Red Wings team that's kind of been their Achilles heel for a while, um, despite the fact that Nashville – has always been better than the, the Red Wings of the past five, six, seven years. Well, first of all, uh, Alexander Georgiev is right now the better goaltender really? with the Rangers. Uh, he might be number two on the depth chart, but he's outplayed Hendrik Lundqvist, and he was fantastic against yeah. the Predators. Uh, and Peter Laviolette said that he thought uh, they were chasing most of the time, uh, and that might that might have been the case. But you know, you could see that, that, uh, that Georgiev was, was on it, and he made a number of huge saves uh, in the two to one loss. So yeah, that was frustrating because they did have their chances. Yeah, they they gave up two goals that they probably would like to have back. But uh, but by and large, you know they the better goaltender you know won that game that afternoon. And for some reason, the Predators don't seem to play well uh, in their hockey matinees. Uh, I have no explanation for it. Hmm. So they go to Detroit and play a team that had beaten them earlier in the season. The Red Wings had that counterattacking uh, style of play. Uh, and in the first period, it, it seemed to work because the Preds had the better chances. 
but couldn't seem to get inside to the blue ice. Uh, all their shots, or most of their shots, are from the perimeter. And uh, Anthony Cio, you know, who had been who had not scored a goal after scoring thirty uh, last year, put the Red Wings up one nothing, and you wondered how the night would play out. But then in the second period, stuff started happening, and to be to be truthful, the Red Wings gifted the Predators two or three of those goals. Yeah, I was going to say too because of course Jimmy Howard had an awful second period, and the Predators uh, completely opened up the offense in that second period. Matt Duchesne had had two of the goals uh, in that second frame for Nashville. Uh, how much of that would you attribute to just Jimmy Howard being off his game? Uh, and how much of it was the Predators just having a really good night offensively? Yeah, the Red Wings played terrible in front of Jimmy Howard, too. One of the goals, uh, you know, was off a defenseman. Uh, but, you know, listen, you, you take what you get. I mean, the Red Wings obviously played really well here. And the Preds traditionally do not play well in Detroit, whether it was at the old uh, Joe Louis Arena or the new or, or the new building. But... You know, they exploded, as you mentioned, for five in the second. Uh, yeah, the power play was working. And, and the Preds did a good job of getting to the net, frankly. And, uh, you know, so that got him up 5-1. And then Philip Forsberg, you know, uh, scored early in the third period on the power play to make it 6-1. to But let's get back to, you know, some of the themes of those games. And that sure. is, you know, Peter Laviolette switching up his top six forwards. Reuniting uh, the Jofa line, uh, you know, with Victor Arvidsson, you know, already with Ryan Johansson and moving Philip Forsberg, uh, from the Duchesne line up to his line, you know, and, and being with guys that he had a lot of success with. And, the, you know, the second line, of course, Kyle Turris got moved up to center, uh, Matt Duchesne and Callie Yarncroke, who's been terrific this year. But the truth of the matter is, at least in my opinion, Ryan Johansson has not played well, uh, for the Predators really all season. Uh, you know, he's just sort of floating out there. You know, he's a gifted playmaker. He can shoot the puck, you know, better than I think even he believes. And, you know, he's been lucky to be playing, uh, you know, between two good wingers this year. But I haven't seen him. He's been getting killed in the faceoff circle. He's got to be better if the Predators expect to be successful. And the second line played okay. I want to see how they play tonight. Uh, Turris, I think, is, you know, uh, broke his... Uh, five-game goalless streak, a nice wrist shot uh, to beat Jimmy Howard. Uh, and, and But, uh, you know, Duchesne, you know, knocked one off a defenseman and in the net. He kind of laughed, uh, you could see, but he had two goals. And Yarncroke, I think, has played better than, than his two line mates. He's been terrific, whether it's been on the penalty kill, where he had a couple of goals, remember, uh, you know, back when they lost that game to Calgary in the homestand. But... Uh, their top six forwards have to play better. Uh, Nick Bonino has been terrific. I mean, just terrific. Yeah, incredible. A guy that a lot of us thought might get traded because of his salary. He's making $4 million as a third-line center. But think about what this guy does. He kills penalties. And he has made his wingers look great by his ability to go and hunt for pucks and, and, and set up guys, but also you know, being in the right places uh, on the ice. He's got seven goals. I'm not saying he's going to score 30 this year, but he scored 17 last year, and I think he's going to score again between 15 and 20, which is a, a pretty good total for a third-line center. Well, he started to kind of look like that net front presence uh, that, that the Predators played in that Stanley Cup final against Pittsburgh, and 
Um, does a really good job kind of cleaning up the mess, kind of putting in the rebounds right around the net, um, and, and making a lot of the guys around him better. Um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on, on Matt Duchesne in that wing role, uh, because I know that when he was signed with the Nashville Predators, he, he went on record saying, hey, I, I'm here to be a center. Uh, of course, I'll do whatever is asked of me, but um, he's more comfortable playing in that central role. How do you think he fits into that wing spot uh, with the Predators kind of shuffling that around a little bit in Detroit? Um, and how much more do you think we could see of that moving forward? Uh, that's a good question. And with Peter Laviolette, everything is fluid. So he could be back at center, you know, tonight or at some point in this road trip. Yeah, I think preferably they'd like him in the middle, but they like their team right now, uh, you know, with tourists in the middle, you know, who's playing, you know, I think uh, some of his best hockey since he's gotten here. But yeah, you know, Duchesne's speed and, uh, you know, really helps you on that wing. Uh, and yeah, I think he, you know, he's a great playmaker. He creates, you know, things out of nothing and you can still do that uh, from the right wing. There are a lot more responsibilities, you know, when you're the center defensively and otherwise, you know, depending on where you are on the ice, but I think Duchesne will be fine playing on the wing. Uh, and if they have to do that, you know, that that's where they're going to go. But, you know, again, Peter Laviolette is going to tinker with his lineup, even though the Preds are off to a pretty good start. I think even uh, LaViolette would acknowledge that he wants more out of his top six forwards. And right now, uh, you know, you wonder, you know, you know, what's going on with, with some of the other guys that he's moved down to the fourth line. So um, I'll be interested to see, you know, what he does in terms of uh, switching guys around moving forward. Let's say the strength of this Preds team, in addition to the offense, the the defensive pairing of Yossi and Ellis, that's been fantastic. Uh, that third line uh, that you mentioned, uh, uh, Rocco Grimaldi, Nick Benito, Craig Smith has been so active. And, um, you know, listening to the neutral zone here on 104.5 The Zone last night, um, they kind of mentioned, and I, I thought this was a good way to put it, if your top two lines on this team are kind of a 1A and a 1B, that third line is playing more like a second line for uh, for Peter Laviolette right now. And, of course, it starts with the play of Nick Benino, but um, especially with maybe some of the struggles of Ryan Johansson that you mentioned and uh, and, and Mikhail Grandlin kind of having a little bit they of a drought as well. they got to get more out of Grandlin. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. I noticed that Kevin Fiala scored a, yeah. his second goal, <laughs> and he's been just crushed in Minnesota for being underproductive. They need more out of Grantland, yeah. and I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. But getting back to the, to the Benino line, Benino – was signed to be a second line center and and you saw early on that he was kind of miscast in that role but when you're on the third line you know you're a bottom six forward and there's nothing wrong with that that's just a role that you have on your team you're usually playing against other third lines and in that that particular case Benino you know is a good is a favorable matchup for the Predators and uh, and that line has been you know it used to be the third line would be a checking line or an energy line or whatever, uh, but this, you know, this line can score, uh, and they can also do other things. They can kill penalties, and you know, uh, they're multi-talented. But Benino has been great in this role. He wins face-offs. He does just about everything you ask. And believe me, you know, right now, maybe outside of Ryan Ellis and, and Pecorine, uh, he's one of the uh, early season MVPs for the Preds. So if I'm David Poyle at this point and, and looking at the production of some of these forwards, uh, looking at the contract situation uh, coming up in the, in the coming years, 
I'm starting to think, okay, does Nick Bonino's production make him more of a trade piece at this point? Or, or is that still potentially a Kyle Turris, uh, a Mikhail Granlund, a Craig Smith? It, for me, it's it's hard to imagine the Predators keeping all of these forwards from right now all the way to the end of the season. Would you agree with that, or, or do you think that there's still a move to be made for David Poyle this season? Well, I, you know, Grantland, it, it would be interesting to see if he continues not to be productive because he's heading for free agency. Sure. And David might wave the white flag on that. I mean, it just may come down to a point where it just didn't work out here and you move on. But it also depends on how Ellie Tolvanen is doing in Milwaukee. You know, Rem Pitlick, uh, you know, and, and some of the other guys, uh, you know, that that uh, that they have there. So if they want to call up, you know, one of their young forwards, you know, Grantley could be the, the odd man out. Craig Smith could be the odd man out. You know, those are two guys who are headed for free agency. I don't know how much David could get for them. Uh, but, you know, again, you know, let's see what happens when we hit January, because we'll have a much better read on what these guys are doing or not doing. And, uh, and maybe that'll, you know, maybe David's plan unfolds, you know, by itself and, and, and pretty much gives him uh, the answers that he's looking for. Well, on Tolvanen, I think the buzz around him has, has probably rightfully calmed down a good bit. And maybe the pressure that was put on him coming in was, uh, was a bit, premature uh, a bit too much was was put on the expectations of a really really young kid um and i want to get your thoughts on this how hard is it to adjust from playing on bigger ice and excelling in international ice where um you know he's great at the world juniors uh, has a lot of opportunities uh playing for his home country uh of finland and and then all of a sudden has to come to the NHL where everything's so much more crowded. He doesn't have as much room to snipe. How long of an adjustment does that take? And is this maybe kind of a, um, I would say, kind of like a trade or a new signing for the Predators potentially in January or February? The adjustment period depends on the player. I mean, first of all, Tolvanen is not the swiftest skater. He's not the strongest player. But he's got a good shot, and he's a scorer. Uh, you're right. And on the international ice surface, he just has more room. Sure. And that's conducive, obviously, uh, to getting getting your shot off. He had to learn to get his shot off quicker. He had to learn, you know, how, how much faster the game is at the NHL level. He had to learn about playing in tight spaces. He had to learn all of that. And it was obvious from from his debut with the Predators a couple of years ago that he was in over his head. I mean, as simple as that. Uh, but they've been patient with him. Uh, they've taken the old Detroit Red Wings approach, and that is better to keep him in the American Hockey League too long than bring him up too soon and ruin him. So he's, you know, he's getting his sea legs in Milwaukee, which he agreed to do, uh, and because he knows long term for him, it's going to be a benefit. And we'll find out. Rem Pitlick, you know, uh, was up here and played a game and had a good camp, but hasn't played well so far in Milwaukee. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we could see one or both of those guys in January, depending on, you know, what's going on with this team. If there are injuries or there's underproduction, David will move somebody if he feels like uh, now's the time to call up uh, one of the young phenoms. With you got train off, too. So, yeah, uh, sure. And he's leading uh, Milwaukee in, in goals, and he was up here for a game. But, you know, that's another guy to look for. So maybe quietly on this team, I don't know how, how quiet this story is, but uh, most of the talk has been about the offense. 
But Pecorine still does not have a regulation loss this season. We talked about it on our first episode, just how good he's continuing to play and how, despite his age, the expectations remain high. Uh, and I think at this point, and this is a, a, probably another conversation for another time, number 35 has got to be the first number to hang in the rafters at Bridgestone Arena. Yeah, I think that's pretty evident. <laughs> uh, but the other thing, too, is I'm not going to get too crazy about what he's done so far this year because this road trip, he'll be facing better teams. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, you know, in the next few weeks, uh, you know, when they start playing the good teams, I mean, they haven't seen Winnipeg or, or Dallas or St. Louis or, you know, any of the divisional monsters uh, that they're going to have to uh, take care of this year. So, you know, the narrative could shift a little bit. But so far, so good for Pekka. You know, he's, he's jokingly said he's given up uh, – uh, he's, he's uh, consuming a few less post-game beers and a few less <laughs> post-game steaks – and that is sort of the concession you need to make for age, uh, and he's done it uh, swimmingly. I mean, he's looked he's looked terrific. You know, he his glove hand is still as quick as always, and uh, you know his he, at least I saw one publication. I think ESPN.com, and you know, like I said, this is crazy to even talk about. But through the first ten or twelve games, he was the leader in the Vezina race. Oh gosh! So. <laughs> and then he gave up six against Calgary. Yeah, so. it's, it's kind of like Heisman Trophy projections yeah. at this point, and, and right. uh, even earlier, like Heisman Trophy projections at week three. Yes, uh, not much uh, you can do about that. Well, um, the road trip continues tonight in in Colorado as we record this on a Thursday morning. Saturday at San Jose. Uh, next Tuesday at Vancouver, uh, we'll be back to get ready for uh, another homestand uh, for the Predators. Hope to record next. Uh, Wednesday or Thursday uh, as we talk to you here on the Smashcast podcast. Mark, appreciate the time. Always great. So we've covered Nashville. Now let's talk about the rest of the NHL. Final segment here on episode two of the Smashcast. Let's go around the NHL and hit the big storylines around the league. In front of McDavid. Good stick by Bozak. Empty net shot. That skips Oh my goodness! And he scores! A crazy bounce by Bozak in an empty net goal. Sundquist gets it out, and that'll do it as the Blues win it. 5-2 the final. And that's how it sounded on the St. Louis Blues television network. And what a win it was for a St. Louis team. It's not letting up. Leading in the Central Division with 25 points right now heading into Thursday night. They've played two more games than Nashville, but the Predators second right now in the Central with 20 points. St. Louis with 25 and the Colorado Avalanche. The Predators meet on this Thursday afternoon with 18. I'll tell you what, this Central Division is going to be a gauntlet moving forward because you can't forget about Winnipeg sitting in, in fourth right now in the division with 17 points. The Dallas Stars, who started horribly in the 2019 season, they're up there with 17 points. It's basically everyone but the Blackhawks in the wild right now in the Central Division of the Western Conference. So this one's going to go all the way down to uh, to May. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this race shakes out. But uh, as we get to about the quarter mark of the season, which is unbelievable to think that we're about 25% of the way through with the NHL season. It's St. Louis still maintaining the pace, 11-3-3. They get the win in Edmonton, make it six in a row for the defending Stanley Cup champions. Tatar lays it back for Weber, who gives it to Sherratt. Here it comes. They score! 
Great work by the Canadians. Good rotation. This one gets redirected somewhere. Along the boards, Bergeron to the point. Krejci, he'll dust it off. A shot stopped by Price. Is it at the horn? It looks like it may be. And it was over. 5-4, to four, the final between the Montreal Canadiens and the Boston Bruins. Boston had a go-ahead goal at one point earlier on in that third period to make it 5-4 Bruins, uh, but it was called back. And that ends what was a spectacular run by Boston, who have not missed a beat early on in the 2019 season since falling in the Stanley Cup final to the St. Louis Blues last summer. It's Montreal getting the best of the Boston Bruins. And we talk about the Central Division being really strong. How about the Atlantic in the Eastern Conference? Boston Bruins are on top right now with 24 points, uh, leading the NHL in what's been a dominant early season. But the Buffalo Sabres are second with 20. How about that? How about that for a resurgence? The Toronto Maple Leafs have 19 points. The Florida Panthers have 18, the Canadiens have 18, and then you have the Tampa Bay Lightning sitting near the bottom of the division with just 14 points. And despite all their firepower offensively and the experience at the back end, Tampa Bay has gotten out to a little bit of a slow start. And with how good that division is, I mean, you don't want to think about a lot of these games too importantly this time of year. But with how strong that division is, any little misstep, at any point this season, is going to completely change that race. And Tampa Bay is behind the eight ball early with a lot of hockey left to play. But, I mean, my, my soapbox this time of year for hockey fans who want to take a lot of um, results as being really important on November the 7th or 8th, look at the St. Louis Blues last year, a team that was completely out of it by all accounts uh, this time of year in November and December, came back and won the Stanley Cup. So I don't think that any team needs to be too concerned, but certainly not a very good sign for a Tampa Bay team that uh, sits 10 points behind the Boston Bruins at 6-5-2. And they've only played 13 games, granted. That helps a little bit. Montreal has played two more games than Tampa Bay, um, and, and as has Boston. But that division is going to be really interesting moving forward this season as well. And then the original rival for the Nashville Predators, the team that uh, they destroyed on the road earlier this week, the Detroit Red Wings, last, despite playing uh, the most games in the Atlantic division. They just have nine points, the Red Wings 4-12-1. And, of course, one of those wins came against the Nashville Predators in Bridgestone Arena. And, of course, credit to NBC Sports Network on the call there, uh, an instant classic between Boston and Montreal. Let's do some NHL by the numbers. Take a look at some of the best teams, some of the interesting stats heading into the weekend around the National Hockey League. Let's start here in Nashville, uh, where NHL.com right now has the Nashville Predators fifth in their power rankings uh, going into this weekend's games. Uh, They've got a hit and a miss. So uh, something good about a team, something bad about a team. And uh, we're going to take a look at these uh, a little bit here on the Smashcast. Uh, throughout the 2019 season. Of course, Pecorine at 8-0-2, the first goalie uh, 36 or older in NHL history to have a season-opening point streak of at least 10 games. Pecorine has been excellent. We heard 
Mark Howard and I talking about that earlier on in the show, that uh, it's just becoming the expectation for Pecorine. But as Mark told us, uh, it's going to get a lot tougher uh, for Pekka and the Predators coming up on the rest of this road trip. Here's another number. 1981. That was the last time that the New York Islanders had a 10-game winning streak. Uh, This is the second longest in their history behind 15 in a row uh, when they won back in that 1981-82 season. Uh, And look, it's, it's been awesome to see Barry Trotz continue to have as much success as he's had uh, in New York. That was a little bit of a rebuild, especially coming from the Stanley Cup champions in Washington. Uh, Barry Trotz did the hard thing, I think, in just walking away and uh, leaving a Washington franchise that hadn't treated him well, but still had just won a Stanley Cup. How great has he been? In New York, the coach of the year last year in the National Hockey League, uh, continuing to have a lot of success up there uh, on Long Island, a place where the Predators will be playing uh, next month. I think I might be trying to make a trip up there. We'll see. Predators have the Rangers on, I believe, December the 17th and the Islanders on December the 18th in New York. So uh, if you're like me and are looking for a good road trip for the National Predators this year, that's probably going to be the one. I think there'll be a lot of gold in the arena that night um, in both Madison Square Garden on that Monday uh, and then wherever the Islanders play. Heck, I'm not even going to take the time to look it up, right, because it's ridiculous how no one knows where the Islanders play at any given time. Uh, If you know, and maybe I'm an idiot for not knowing, hit me up on Twitter at Will underscore Bowling. Bowling spelled B-O-L-I-N-G. The Vegas Golden Knights, I hate their Twitter account. I really do. (laughs) I mean... That's, that's been my soapbox since they entered the league. Nevertheless, behind the Twitter account is a team that's got a really good offense. Um, they are going to be a, a force to be reckoned with again. Uh, it's still cheap. The rules and the, uh, the head start they got on the rest of the league in the expansion draft, but I digress. That's a topic for a couple of years ago. Uh, they lead the league with 24. Here's our next number. 24 goals in the first period. Uh, and is tied with Boston for the best first-period goal differential at plus nine. I think the Golden Knights are a good example of why the Predators, rightfully now, have needed to boost the offense a little bit because I believe in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's the top two lines, when your top two lines can score at any time and create offense out of absolutely nothing in five-on-five. That's what wins you championships in the National Hockey League, and that's why the Vegas Golden Knights have been so good. A big reason why is because they have played so well offensively, and they make you work over a seven-game series. How fun would it be to have a a Nashville-Vegas playoff series for the Western Conference? Man, that uh, that would be something. That would absolutely be something. How about the Arizona Coyotes? Sitting right in the middle of NHL.com's power rankings right now, uh, their penalty kill, 16 for 17 in six home games this year. That's third in the NHL. Uh, in road games, it's 21 for 29 in nine uh, road tilts, which is 26th in the league. So Arizona enjoys playing at home. Um, they have a, uh, a fantastic group right now. It's, it's weird saying that with how bad Arizona has been uh, forever. Uh, in the past couple of years, but uh, they're starting to figure things out and, and, and starting to um, starting to click as a team. 
And maybe that's a team that could sneak into the playoff race as well in that Pacific division. Last number is 20. That's the amount of power plays the Pittsburgh Penguins have had in nine games since October 16th without scoring a single goal. They have had one or zero power play opportunities in four of those games since October the 16th. But this is another sign as well that you can't read too much into uh, results at this point of the season. But the numbers are are fun to look at. It's fun to analyze. Uh, of course, it's it's interesting to see where the Predators are uh, compared to the rest of the league right now in that power play category, especially when you think about how bad uh, Nashville was last season and those opportunities. Uh, but Pittsburgh has has not been good on on the power play and have, have struggled just a little bit in the uh, Metropolitan Division in the Eastern Conference. Um, it's it's a Pittsburgh team that, that seems to always figure it out when it matters, uh, but it's an aging Pittsburgh team as well. Uh, and right now, Pittsburgh fourth in the Metropolitan Division with 17 points. And heck, I misspoke earlier. After last night, the Washington Capitals now with a game in hand on Boston, uh, they have the lead in the National Hockey League again with 20 Five points. So if you've already tweeted at me after I said that Boston was leading the league earlier uh, without listening to the full podcast, shame on you. Shame on you for shaming me. Uh, no, of course I, of course I kid. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get that right. So that's going to do it for us here today on the Smashcast. Uh, if you're listening to us on the Zone podcast feed, uh, you can also find us on the Wake Up Zone. Uh, we're going to be on there as well as Mark joins me. Uh, in the middle of every week to talk Nashville Predators hockey here on the 104.5 Podcast Network. Uh, but the Smashcast also has its own feed uh, on Apple, on Google Play. I almost said Apple Play. Combine Apple and Google Play. On Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And 104.5thezone.com slash podcasts. It has everything you need. Easy to navigate. Everything's right there from all of our shows during the daytime lineup as well as the original shows that we have. Uh, Paul Koharski Elsewhere, the Smashcast, the Strike Zone podcast, where I talk baseball, uh, the Ultimate Tennessee podcast. Uh, Chad Withrow joined me for that uh, just yesterday. Uh, you can get ready for Tennessee, Kentucky there on that feed. Uh, but check it all out. You know, you're sitting in traffic a lot. Nashville's a, a terrible town to, to commute in right now. Um, you know, pop us on in your commercial breaks. Pop us on. Uh, if you want a little bit of a change of pace uh, from the podcast landscape or listen to us while you work, uh, make sure your boss doesn't notice those headphones. But until next time, we'll see you next time on the Smashcast. We'll talk to you in the middle of next week. Predators back in action Thursday night against Colorado. The road trip continues. We'll talk to you guys.